This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wade scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome into Sound the Foghorn, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Back with you on a Sunday evening here in what should be the beginning of a hot, steamy week of July. NHL for agency kicks off this week. We just had the expansion draft, the NHL draft, so plenty to get to on today's show. But before that, as always, let's check in on my co-host, Zeke. Been about a week and a half since we talked. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Had a, you know, it was a busy but fun weekend, so that was nice. And uh, you know, just uh, happy to be back here. Uh, you know, just kind of talk about the last week of hockey news and all that with you guys. Excellent to hear. Justin, what about you? I'm good. Uh, this is my long work week, so between work and the kids, my ass has been whooped pretty well, pretty good. But uh, coming up on, uh, on my short work week and uh, really just excited to talk about everything that's going on and, and will, go, uh, will go on coming up here on the 28th and such. So, yeah, just looking forward to talking to you guys about the, the draft and such again. Yeah, so let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in because we got a lot to get to tonight to hopefully keep this show as short as we can. Lots to get to, as we mentioned. So we're going to go in a little bit of a wonky order here, but let's start with the NHL draft. The first round, I don't think, could have gone any better from a Minnesota Wild perspective. Coming into the draft with picks technically 21 and 25, uh, excluding Arizona's pick there. And... For the second straight year, an unbelievable talent slips to the Minnesota Wilds position. They trade up with the Edmonton Oilers to select goaltender Jesper Volstadt from the Leyland SHL. I was so pumped. Guys, what was your reaction? Just seeing Volstadt fall on that board. I know in our group chat we thought for sure it's like, oh, Volstadt, Edmonton needs a goalie. They're, they're going. They got to pick him here. And then the Wild trade up. Well, first of all, is it is it pronounced? Is the W pronounced like a V? I think or is so. It w? Okay, because... I feel like I heard that on the broadcast, but nobody else was saying that like that. But okay, it's that's it's good Volstead to know. Either Volstead or Volstead, who cares? Okay, yeah, <laughs> close enough. So close enough. Say but, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out later. Okay, so yeah, but no, like you said, we, we all thought, you know, and even in the mock drafts and the athletic and other places, we're saying that Edmonton was like the floor for either one of the two goalies that were available there. And you know, at that point, I remember I think I sent to the group chat and on Twitter that oh, we just got to hope the Oilers pull, a, you know, an Oilers and screw this and up somehow and take some big tough guy at. 20 or you know i guess like someone else on twitter said they said oh ken holland decided he'd rather have the 90th pick and some random guy from germany that wasn't ranked 
uh, over the, you know, the top goal in draft. So, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I was stoked. I mean, you guys know I've been kind of on the goal bandwagon for like three years now, in the last two drafts. Uh, and I was just, you know, I was just happy because it's been, it's been feeling like that's the position that they've uh, been missing in their system. And it was just great that, you know, a guy who is could potentially be a top five, 10 talent, uh, like you mentioned, fell to them again. Yeah. I mean, I was freaking pumped. Like, I, I never expect, just like Rossi last year, never expected Ballstead to sp- fall to us. Uh, I thought he'd be gone top 10, like a lot of places thought and, and just, when I saw Kosa go at 15, I was like, all right, Wallstead's going to go. He's got to go soon. Like, I never, never in my mind imagined he'd fall to us and we'd be able to trade up. I remember in the group chat, you guys were like, oh my God, yes, and all this stuff. And I was like, what's going on? My feed's kind of wonky. <laughs> and you guys are like, oh no, Russo's post. <laughs> Basically saying that we had traded up and we were about to draft Wallstead. It's pretty awesome to have a goalie that's in basically the same tier as uh, Askarov and uh, Spencer Knight. So, yeah, I'm pumped as hell. Just, just I don't know if I was more pumped about Walstead or Rossi. Probably Rossi, but it, they're just 1A, 1B in excitement. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And I think the, the more bizarre thing to me, even you know beyond Edmonton not taking a goalie, of uh, which is a clear need for that organization as they continue to waste Connor McDavid, but Detroit not taking uh, Wallstat. Because, I mean, you look at Detroit, Steve Eiserman historically in that organization just love drafting Swedish players, mm-hmm. um, players from Europe, and they went and took Kosa. And it it, it sounded like even listening to, to, to draft preview shows and reading through mock drafts that Kosa was on the rise, I think. But to me, it seemed more like, oh, you know, they're closer now. Wallstat's still the preferred option, but Kosa's kind of right there. And Kosa was the guy we talked about on this show as, you know, hey, we'd be thrilled if he was available there at, at 21. But, you yeah. know, we Wallstead yeah. wasn't even mentioned in our, you know, long oh. shots because we didn't think there was any chance that he'd maybe get out of the top ten, let alone the top fifteen, let alone fall all the way down to where the Wild ended up picking him at. Technically, it was off, you know, the nineteenth player off the board, um, but just pretty sweet. And and you know, I think Russo alluded to this in his article, but you know, a year ago the Wild were looking at trying to get Yaroslav Askarov. They offered a trade to Winnipeg. I think they offered a trade to Florida. You know, that probably involved Matt Boldy. And not only do they still have Matt Boldy now, they also have a goalie in that same tier, Justin, as you alluded to. So. Pretty exciting stuff. I know a lot of fans seemed upset with the pick for whatever reason. Uh, you're, you're dumb. They just um, don't know. Some of them yeah. just don't know. Yeah, and, and you look at, too, I think you look at the timeline of Cam Talbot being two years away from from free agency and going, becoming a UFA. That could be, you know, as soon as Wallstad is ready, too. He could, could uh-huh. be a two- to three-year goalie with his skill set. So pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. Any any and other that, thoughts yeah. on Wallstad before I move on? Oh, well, no, I, I just – couple facts about him that I thought were pretty awesome that, that fans might appreciate. Did you guys know that uh, he was the youngest player ever to suit up for the J20 Super Elite League, uh, Sweden's top junior league? Uh, he did it at 14 years old. Damn. The player that uh, did it before him, the youngest, uh, was Victor Hedman. Yeah. Seems like okay and then, company. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's just okay. <laughs> and then uh, in 2020, he became the youngest goalie to ever play in the SHL Swedish Hockey League game, which is probably the best uh pro men's league in europe so you know just mm. yeah and i think it's good timing too especially with Lindbergh not signing with us and may, maybe not sure what we have in hunter jones quite yet he did have a good second half last year but uh just to have a, an elite elite type goalie at least on paper is is what this franchise needed really yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think you mentioned those facts. I think the other one that uh, I think the Hockey Wellness account tweeted at is he's the only 
draft eligible goalie to play at least 20 games uh, in the SHL in his career too. So, and you know, his numbers, you know, at first they might not show you, like they might not wow you because I know he started really well last year and kind of had a rocky second half. But I mean, like you guys, like Justin just mentioned, he was playing, you know, in a pro league, as he said, where, you know, no one plays that young, especially in goal. Uh, usually ever and I think like you know for people that complain you know it's if you have one pick and you're picking like you know fifth then maybe I can understand the apprehension a little bit more but you know if if you develop him right and in like Brett mentioned two or three years when he's ready you could be set in goal for the next decade 10-12 years potentially and you know like I mean with how goalies have been with this team and their history imagine not having to worry about that for eight to ten years now you don't want to get ahead of ourselves but you know just that's that's the potential here is you got uh, like a top 10 starter maybe uh, on your team, you know, from when he's 20 till, you know, his early 30s. So I think that's just really exciting. The fact that, you know, they, he, he's just, he's really skilled, you know, he's six three two fourteen, So he's not like absolutely huge, like coast is, but, and he doesn't have, you know, an outstanding athletic toolkit, but from what I read, he's really smart, got great technique and track the puck. And, and it, you know, it just some goalies that you don't always see them make the flashy saves, but, in his case, that's more because he's all in the right positions and, and knows what to do rather than, you know, he's all the way out. So I, yeah, no, I like you guys said, I was just pumped. And I just think it's, it's awesome wherever, especially at 20th overall, like if this was a skater who was done this rank, it was a forward, he would have been gone top eight on draft. And the fact that they got a guy with the talent to be a, a, like a top five player in, in the draft is, is pretty exciting. Yeah. And the excitement continued just six picks later when another player kind of continued to slip down draft boards. Um, another guy that was thought to potentially be as high as kind of a, a consensus top 15 pick, and that's left-handed defenseman Carson Lambos, who split time last year between uh, the Winnipeg Ice where he played and the WHL where he played just two games. And then he spent uh, also a, a good chunk of time over in uh, Sweden or uh, Finland uh, for JYP, uh, both in Liga, uh, both in their U20 program as well as their professional league, where he wasn't spectacular, dealt with some injuries, but um, kind of coming into this year, much like Vols- like McVolstat was kind of seemed to be a, a consensus kind of top 10 pick. So uh, another player that slipped down draft boards and that I'm, I'm pretty excited to now have in the organization and, and add to what was going into the draft, a very thin group of uh, defensive prospects. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I'm kind of just kind of reiterate, he was considered a top 10 pick at one point, but I, I think his medical issues and injuries kind of, whatever his medical issue was, I haven't looked into it too deep, but uh, that ended the season early, and I think that was a big reason why he may have fell. But, you know, we get a D-man that has good speed, good edges, described as hard to play against and physical. Um, player that has a potent shot, he'll activate from the point. And, uh, yeah, just another solid pick. And something that I noticed, with this draft is we drafted a lot of guys out of the WHL, which is what we'll find as we go through these guys. Yeah, no, I think, you know, like you mentioned, he's got the good size at six one, two hundred one pounds. I mean, you know, like you said, Justin, he does have a good shot, you know, like a lot of guys that aren't high end picks at that position, you know, maybe not the most dynamic offensively, but that's obviously something you can grow and obviously not why you draft a defenseman in the first place. And I think, like Brett said, that was the other thing. Reading a lot of mock drafts, a lot of people had thought that, you know, they would still end up with two forwards there simply because, you know, even though, you know, defense might have been higher on the priority list and need, you know, the, you didn't want to necessarily reach for a guy at that point either who was, you know, like a, unfortunately, like a Philip Johansson. But uh, so, you know, I was, like you said, at any point I would have been fine with anyone. I, you know, like I said, I just I trust that they know what they're doing. But 
I think you guys said the fact that you know they got another potential value pick at the end of the first round is another is another really good job by them. Yeah, and I think something that really excites me, he's drawn a lot of, I mean, I hate player comparisons, but one that seems to be common almost like consensusly is a lot of people are comparing to Jake Muzzin, who has been just a mainstay kind of mobile two-way defenseman, uh, both for the LA Kings when they won the Cup and has been an, a nice piece for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, as of late as well. So um, it seems like as long as everything goes well, he's got really good potential to play in the top four. Um, you know, a future pairing of maybe a Carson Lambos and a Callan Addison seems to be pretty sweet. You mix Ryan O'Rourke and Damon Hunt in there, and all of a sudden, uh, what what when the Wild didn't seem to have a future at the blue line, all of a sudden it looks very, very bright, and it will continue to look bright as they added another left-handed defensive prospect, uh, a hashtag one of us, uh, Jack Pert, Mr. Hockey winner from Grand Rapids, um, also spent some time playing for the Fargo Force in the USHL last year as well. Uh, we were hoping for some different picks to fall. Logan Stankoven um, goes to Dallas, I think, just two picks before, uh, ripping my heart from my chest. But um, Pert was a guy we did identify as a good second-round uh, pick, and he did end up getting there. Um, another guy that in some mock drafts was considered to be a first-round talent. So to get him middle second, another great value there as well. Yeah, and I, I know some people, you know, at that point had, you know, wanted them to go forward. And I think we saw in Russo's article, I think it was today, where he's mentioned they had tried to trade up for some of those guys that had slipped into that round. But like you like you said, Brett, we brought him up on the, you know, kind of our show about a month ago uh, with Gabe Foley. And, you know, obviously, if it, it, you know, he's a high school league, but he had 35 points in 18 games on defense. And then in the USHL had 15 points in 24 games. So, Basically, what I've read is that he's not, you know, obviously maybe that dynamic offensively, but can move the puck well. Uh, isn't uh, isn't the biggest at 5'11", 180, but is another guy who has just got great hockey IQ and is a good puck moving defenseman, which kind of seems to be, you know, what they have, you know, in on their defense currently in the NHL. So, uh, but yeah, no, like you said, just late second round, uh, just just another really good deep prospect to add, and obviously he's going to have all the time he needs to develop at Saint Cloud too. I was just going to mention for everyone that pays attention to college hockey and the NCHC, he's going to be, you know, he's committed at uh, St. Cloud State, like uh, Z kind of just uh, alluded to. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, I remember reading, wasn't our first three picks like within their top favorite certain number of players on their yeah. draft board? I believe top 39. I think they might have yeah. said their three were. They were on the list 39, I think, and they were top 22 as well. Yeah, so, yeah was, but yeah, just exciting. Um, sucks that we missed out on Stan Coven, and of all teams, it when it was Dallas, but you know, uh, Pert uh, is was a really good pick too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm happy with it. And then we kind of started to get into those more depth picks. Um, it seemed to uh, be a, a common thing that. Bracket and Garen had an affinity for the WHL as the next three picks all came out of there, two of them from the Kamloops Blazers. So we'll start with the first of those at pick 86, um, center Caden Bankier. Um, I did not, I'll be honest, I was on the golf course when they are making a lot of these picks, um, and still have just kind of been, been settling back since I got back uh, late last night. So I'll turn this more over to you guys, but kind of just on your research, of course, because that's more of what we have to go on for now um, from Elite Prospects, The Athletic, other sources. What are you guys, what are your first impressions of uh, Caden Bankier? Uh, I think a lot of these, said. yeah, I think a lot of these guys are, are you know, they, they each have something to work on, which, you know, all prospects will. A lot of them are raw, but um, this is a kid that uh, is a skilled playmaker. He'll, he brings defensive value to the table as well. Um, he can create plays, small areas and can kill penalties. So kind of multifunctional. Um, 
something that we kind of see from a lot of Garen and Judd Brackett's picks is he's a high character guy who works hard. Um, something that I noticed uh, in some of the quotes. And then his coaches consider him low maintenance that does the work unselfish and team oriented. And uh, another fun fact is that he was a billet, billet roommate of uh, his, uh, one of our other draft picks we'll touch on, Josh Piller. So I thought that was pretty cool to find out. But uh, yeah, just uh, another kid that could turn out to be a, a good value pick. Yeah, I think, you know, not much for me to add there. I just think, you know, the thing to remember is people, there were some people who had thought, you know, these last three or four picks the Wild had were supposed reaches, if you can call that, you know, past the second round. I think, like Justin mentioned, they're all like, a lot of them are projects, you know, they have like one or two skills that are really good that you hope to keep that and then develop the rest. So, you know, these, at this point, they're, they're kind of lottery tickets and you're just seeing a guy that you like has his position or one dynamic and you obviously just want to develop him, but like you said, he's a center with good size and some skill and, you know, just, yeah. And I mean, nothing really to complain about here at that spot in draft. Uh, like, like you said, I think, I think Justin covered him pretty good. Yeah. If there's yeah. anything we know about Judd Brackett, he's very good at identifying talent. So got full, full mm-hmm. faith Absolutely. in all these picks. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next up, uh, they went to the right side of the blue line and grabbed Kyle Masters of the Red Deer Rebels, Matt Dumba's former team in the dub. Uh, thoughts mm-hmm. on Kyle Masters? Well, I do. I think I believe uh, Elite Prospects had him ranked uh, number thirty-eight in their draft rankings. So, a lot of their their people were, were big fans of him. But it, it seemed, you know, he had played only twenty games in WHL last year, had ten assists, and no goals, and had three points, twenty-four games the year before that. But it seems to be like he can, you know, and make good outlet passes, can move the puck out of its zone, and has, uh, you know, decent skill to be able to skate and use the puck, but. And from what, you know, from what I'm read on the athletics, seems like, you know, Promise he had a good stride as uh, a smooth skater, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, I, I don't think there's anything too dynamic, but it, it, from what I've read, people seem to be a fan of his puck game, even though the offense hasn't really come there yet. So I just think, uh, again, another guy uh, on defense that uh, at, at this point in the draft is just another good project to take a chance on. Yeah. And even though I didn't really pick up the points, I, I read somewhere that, um, Mm-hmm. He has excellent mobility, mobility, but he also runs the power play at Red Deer. So uh, another, another um, possible player that could help our power play in the future if he develops right. Definitely, I, I'm slightly distracted. I'm seeing if uh, Katie Ledecky can win the gold, and she did not. Um, oh. So un- unthinkable. But uh, the <laughs> Titmus from Australia, who's like her big rival, won by 0.2 seconds. But. Uh, we got two more prospects to get through here. Uh, we mentioned this before. Uh, Josh Pillar, Pilar, uh, a center out of Kamloops. Caden Bankier's uh, teammate, billet roommate out of Kamloops. Uh, was next up at pick uh, 127. I believe they traded up to select him. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, he was what was uh, – yeah, it, I think it was Montreal. They traded their last two picks, I think. Yeah, perfect. So they grabbed him at uh, 127. Your thoughts on uh, Pilar? I was say kind of another uh, project type player. Um, both Pilar and uh, <clears throat> um, the other Camus kid, uh, Bankier, both play with Stan Coven and kind of, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, they both play with uh, Stan Coven at Camus, but the foundation of Pillar's game is uh, his skating. He's not a true speedster, but uh, his pace is a weapon. Uh, skilled passer, and also uh, he's able to score in tight and from range. Put up 29 points in 22 games last season. Uh, not a whole much 
more to add uh, unless you have something, Zeke. No, I just think, you know, it was interesting that he, I think he was a, an overager playing his third year in the WHL and kind of had his first, you know, great year this year, as you mentioned, with those 29 points. So, yeah, no, again, just a, a right winger, I believe, uh, can shoot right. You know, I think the other thing that I saw was that he can play uh, physically as well sometimes. So maybe that's just another guy who, like we've seen in the past, could maybe have a future developmental track as kind of another bottom six kind of depth guy. Perfect. And last but not least, at pick 182, they went uh, what sounded to be a little off the board, but are you really off the board in the, I believe that's like the sixth round. Um, they go with another left-handed defenseman, Nate Benoit, from Mount St. Charles Academy Triple A team. I'm not even sure where that is, to be honest with you, but well, uh, he was their last pick of the draft. I will say, I think uh, someone mentioned that's where uh, Brian Lawton played back before he was drafted by the North Stars back yeah. like 40 years ago, mm-hmm. so... But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously not much there on him. I mean, you know, from what I was reading Athletic and other places, that he has some good, some kind of intriguing offensive tools and has seems to have some ability as a puck mover and as a decent shot and, and has a good compete level. And, but the only thing I saw, you know, kind of knocking on him is that his skating isn't the best and has a stride that maybe breaks down at times or lacks quickness. But, again, he's a guy who I think is going to – he was playing, like, Brett said in like a triple A league and only played three games in the USHL. So he'll go back there to the USHL and then to, you know, the university of North Dakota after that, you know, which is obviously, you know, a very good hockey program. And, you know, as much as a lot of people here might not like them. So, so yeah, no, just yeah, at that point, it's like the sixth round, uh, just, you know, take a swing on a guy. They obviously saw something there. So. Yeah. For me, it was honestly hard to find stuff on him. I did finally find an article on maybe sports net or something that kind of talked to one of his old coaches or his current coach and um kind of a fun fact this is the first north dakota player we've ever drafted for the wild (laughs) um but also i i've read that uh, physicality is one of his biggest strengths has an outstanding release and passes like a pro continually improved his stick presence and gap control shows good vision as a puck mover and, and plays with a little bite so you know, maybe a bit of a project, uh, sixth rounder, take a flyer, but uh, seems like Judd Brackett has an eye for talent like Brett mentioned before, so um, we'll see what he turns into. Yeah, and o- overall, our uh, our friend Scott Wheeler, who joined the show last year, uh, really liked the Minnesota Wilds opening night, grabbing Wallstedt Lambos, um, ranked them, I believe, as the second winner, uh, second best winner on his winners-losers. Um, Love the value they got in both Wallstedt and Lambos. He liked the Jack Pert pick. I don't think it was a big big of a fan of of the of the WHL fellas and uh, and uh, Benoit, but um, you know it's so hard to evaluate that talent once you get down those third and fourth rounds. If one of those guys hits, um, and those other three end up being NHLers as they're projected to, that's a pretty damn good draft to grab four mm-hmm. players. So overall, I don't think I'm quite as excited as I was for last year's draft, but um, you know it's another just excellent draft getting you know potential top four D talent, mm-hmm. you know. The, the big thing, of course, here, a potential goalie of the future, Zeke, as you alluded to, someone that could be between the pipes for a long, long time um, and addressed a very clear organizational need. Um, so uh, I, overall, I give this draft for the Wild probably a solid B+. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, like you mentioned last year, I think, you know, they maybe found a little more. They had only, I think, five picks, I believe. They traded a few, so they, they had maybe a little more 
guys that were on people's radar or that you know, maybe had a little more, I guess, offensive skill or upside on their terms team. So maybe that was, you know, that was a little more, you know, in, 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 interesting or intriguing. But, you know, like you said, I, I'm really, was really happy with the first pick, like you guys both mentioned, was thrilled. And so after that, I mean, even, you know, obviously if, if Wallstead's a starting goalie and if Lambos is a top 4D, you know, and even if no one else after that turns out, that would be, great i mean if you can get two nhlers out of a draft every year you'd be doing fantastic but yeah no i mean like you said it was just good to get the him in there and then also just continue to build up that defensive depth as well in the organization yeah i'd probably give it a solid b b plus as well it it was awesome to get wallstead i think maybe not as exciting because i think going into it looking we really love forwards and love to cover forwards and watch forwards. Mm-hmm. We were really short on D system wide. So it was good to address that. And it's not as flashy and exciting as getting these forwards, but we got a lot of good, uh, a couple of good D picks and hopefully some value picks later on. So yeah, maybe not as exciting, but happy to have possibly the goalie of the future. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, looking forward to being able to update everyone uh, weekly uh, to hear your updates, Justin, what those guys are up to next year and add them to our already awesome list of prospects and continue to see this this wild prospect system grow as it continues to get uh, better and better with each passing year. Um, but another, m- moving on from the draft, there was another uh, pretty exciting event that happened this week. The Seattle Kraken uh, drafted their team of 30 players and guys, I will say, we did pretty damn good in our mock drafts. I said if if we got 10 or more of those right, we should be pretty happy. Uh, I, I tabulated the results. Before even seeing the expansion list, using our best guesses, um, uh, I led the way with 12 out of 30 picks. Justin had 10 out of 30, and Zeke had uh, 8 out of 30. So I'd say overall that that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I looked after, I think, after I, I did one more mock draft after seeing the expansion list, and it changed margin, I think, ended up with 14 uh, out of the 30 right. But... Yeah. Now, hey, pretty proud of us for that to get to get that many right. Um, surprisingly, I, I was there actually a side deal. I don't think there was. There was some flips, but I'm I don't not, remember there being any side deals. Do you? No. So, no, I mean, uh, I'm pretty no. Pretty sure they were waiting to <clears throat> announce that the next day, and, and it's like everyone on Twitter was like <laughs> waiting, 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 and it just never happened. So mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't they they didn't mm-hmm. take the opportunity like Vegas did. I think uh, GMs were smarter this time around. Yeah, but and I think yeah, go ahead, Zeke. No, I was just saying. I think you know the the question we when we were doing that exercise was would they want to take on guys you know with salary or longer contracts? And they took a few of the, a couple of those guys like Yanni Gord and signed a couple. Uh, but so that was kind of surprising me. Not to be honest, I went at mine more of just on picking who I want, not logically. I think they will, but uh, but yeah, no, it was. The one thing I just got to say before we get into it more, everyone was like, my God, this is broadcast so much better on ESPN than NBC. And I'm thinking this was, I mean, this is not, it just was entertaining. It's like it, it, the, the best part was Chris Fowler throwing jabs at teams. Uh, and, and especially my favorite one was when they picked, uh, you know, Alexander True from the Sharks. Uh, I think it was uh, Dominic Moore goes, uh, you would be false to assume he'll be on the roster next year. It's like, <laughs> oh, I hope he's not watching. That's mean. Dad joke. Yeah. All around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the actual broadcast again. I, I was out of town, but I basically knew the roster, uh, courtesy of Frank Saravalli, who was uh, absolutely all over every single pick, blowing every insider out of the water. Uh, TSN let a gem go on him and daily face off. Definitely gained a stud. He absolutely killed it. 
uh, on mm-hmm. on expansion draft. They getting all that news out before anybody else. So um, some people didn't like it, but hey, an insider's job is to get information out first, and that's what they did. So uh, it's NHL's fault. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and the agents and whoever else, but um, on the Minnesota Wild side, you know, a little bit of a shock, but also not a shock. You know, we thought kind of all year, especially in this podcast, we've been saying for months we thought it'd be Carson Susie. And then I think all of a sudden we saw all these, you know, these potential fits at goaltender uh, leave the picture. And we're like, oh, you know what? Capo Kakinen, he's got a cheap cap hit. He's got waiver eligibility. He seems like a no-brainer. Um, but they elect to go with uh, Chris Dreger, um for the Florida Panthers. Vitek Vanacek, who we mocked, I think both of you did um, in your mock drafts um, in goal. And then they add a, uh, a third option as well there um, from Ottawa in um, – uh, blanking on their name here. Uh, Joey Decord, uh, 24-year-old, as uh, kind of the number three option. That's the only three they took. They didn't pick a fourth. So the Wild lose Carson Soucy, which all things considered, you lose your number five defenseman. You keep a potential, you know, one B goaltender. Um, and, you know, we, you, you can patch you can patch number, up a number five defenseman in free agency. So all in all, I was pretty happy with, uh, you know, Garen, you know, for potentially going to a, a, you know, an eight skater route to go seven, three, and one. And, and we, you know, we love Susie, good, good player, but I think all in all, a, a pretty, a pretty good scenario for the Wild here at the the expansion draft this time around, especially compared to Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Billy stuck to his guns and just lost a good player, and like you mentioned, a player that's replaceable. You know, Susie was one of my favorites. I, you know, of course, he was a UMD Bulldog and kind of got the biasness there, and <laughs> had a good interaction with him uh, at an autograph event with my son. He was absolutely awesome with my son mm-hmm. so i'll miss that parts of him and and he did bring some good stuff to the wild but uh overall can't complain too much about how that went yeah no i just think uh you know like you said it was a good player i mean a, a good pick out of the fifth round they got a good top six NHL defenseman which you know if you could do every time you'd love that but you know like you said you guys mentioned he yeah, was kind of the biggest defenseman on the wilds blue line you know six five maybe not overly physical but could throw around the body a little more and just overall was more of a presence there because of how big he was but yeah no i think you know i you know obviously didn't want to lose him either because then it just maybe makes it well while but like right we'll talk about later you know you can replace some you have to go out and, and find another one but i think you know, you might not think two point seven five million or whatever it is is a lot of money either. But even though you're losing the good player, getting that almost three million extra in cap space doesn't seem like a lot. But that does give them a little more flexibility to, uh, you know, fill out that spot to replace him or the rush the roster or whatever. So, you know, I think that's maybe like the, the positive here is, you know, uh, obviously with Kacken being younger and in goal uh, and being that seven fifty thousand dollars salary, it, it's only two million more. But I think. The fact that they took him, uh, if you look, want to look on the bright side of it, they got a little bit of cap relief out of it, too. Yeah. Uh, but now the exit of Susie, the buyout of Suter, the Wild now down to just three of their top 5D from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Cole's now a free agent, so that's basically you're down to three of your of your six that played pretty much all of last season. Um, they're still looking to upgrade down the middle, which means these next couple of days, whether through trades or free agency, should be extremely active. Uh, for Bill Guerin and his team in the Minnesota Wild front office. Um, no Jack Eichel trade by the Wild, the Rangers, the Ducks, the Flames, and whoever else is in on them. It sounds like that price continues to be too high. Um, so I think that uh, that opportunity, I would have thought if it would have happened, it would have happened at the draft because it sounded like Buffalo liked this draft class. They wanted picks. I did, I, they didn't get it. So now you're looking at future picks. 
Um, you know, the Wild now don't have an extra first-round pick anymore. I doubt they're going to trade, you know, Wallstead or Lambeau, so they just acquired. Um, you know, I don't think they want to move Rossi or Boldy. So I would imagine that ship's likely sailed unless that price comes down somehow more accurately in these next couple days uh, before free agency. But I would say if it doesn't happen before free agency, I, I'd say it's pretty safe to say Jack Eichel is not going to be a Minnesota a member of the Minnesota Wild, which might not be the worst thing in the world. Well, I just think in, in general, just, you know, to go off on that sidebar a little bit, uh, that, I mean, I get why you want to get as much value for, you know, your star player that you tank, completely tanked your franchise for. But I just, I, I still just can't imagine bringing him back onto that team, when, especially when you say you want to have a new culture and all this. So, and, and like you said, I think, as you mentioned with uh, Wednesday, you're not going to sit around and wait for two weeks to, to and you know hold up on your other plans when you could be filling your up your roster in other ways so I mean the only the only thing I would say is you know until you know like usual until Bruce says they're out I'll still we don't know that because he's mentioned that you know a lot of teams it seems like are just sitting in there waiting for that see if that price will drop and, and you know playing that game of chicken there with them to just see if they can bait get them bait into it but I think the, the key thing to remember there is too they probably can't even do it even if they wanted to because of the money issue and them not wanting to take on money back so uh yeah no uh uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit the, the center situation but yeah no that's uh, that's that was interesting yeah for me uh i've kind of been back and forth and then lately i've been pretty out especially with the fact that they still won't release his medical records to the teams either yeah it seems that's, really shady it's kind of like uh and then I, I don't want to blow a hole in the side of our prospect pool a pool that's probably going to have to fill some of these spots with our cap situation for, for years two through four of those buyouts. But yeah, I mean, personally I'm, I'm off that train and if I'm on a train, it's on like a, a Thomas, Thomas, Thomas hurdle or a, a Mika Zibanejad type train. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with the, you know, we're going to be so active with free agency. So just kind of mm-hmm. excited to see where we go. Yeah, so so let, let's keep chugging along and, and kind of dive into free agency here. Let's start, as we know, probably the biggest hold the Wild do have four centers um, that are returning to the roster, five if you want to include Nick Bugstead. But the real hold definitely exists uh, at, at defense. We alluded to just now Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodine left on that blue line from last year. Um, some recent quotes from Bill Guerin kind of lead me to su- suggest that Ian Cole may, may not be coming back. Um, on, on that quote, uh, this was Bill Guerin uh, regarding uh, Ian Cole. We've talked to Ian a couple of times. Ian is a great guy. I'll never close the door on him. I don't know if it'll work out or not, but I've got a ton of respect for the guy. He's a good teammate and a good friend. Just reading between the lines to me, that just sounds like he just doesn't fit probably at the price point that we need mm-hmm. our, our, our number six defenseman to fit at. So to me, I'm interpreting as they're out on Ian Cole. They might still bring him back, but I, that, that's kind of how I feel about that. Do you guys have any a, a different reaction to that quote at all for the 32-year-old? No, I think, you know, I think I agree with you. I think it sounds like a, you know, a lot like a, like you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I really like you. I really respect you, but, uh, you know, I'll see you on your way. And, and like you mentioned too, that's, you know, he remembers as being a player, you don't want to see what's out there. So, and, and saying that's completely fair. So yeah, no, I, nothing, nothing different for me. No, nothing different for me. Maybe uh Cole does go out there. He should get what he pretty close to what he wants. Who knows what that is? Cause he's, mm-hmm. you know, a solid defensive defenseman. That that he was really what really good for us, but uh, you know maybe if if he doesn't, he comes back around and signs with us. But uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like he's on his way out. 
Yeah, in terms of internal options, there is Kellen Addison, who I think now looking at the blue line, I think he's got a good shot at being the number six. Um, I think they'll bring in a depth defenseman to push him, but I think ultimately, I think we saw, you know, he played playoff games, he played some regular mm-hmm. season games last year. I'm really looking for him to take that step, and this Bill Guerin, I mean, you look at the moves that he's made, um, I think he's really trying to pave the way for his young players to make an impact. Um, he's a guy that, you know, Bill Guerin scouted, you know, a guy that Bill Guerin traded for. He's a Bill Guerin guy through and through, so I think if I think he'll look to get him a chance this year. Um, and, you know, he's got to earn it still, but he's the guy I project the number six which means they basically need to fill a top four spot and the number five spot. Um, in terms of other internal options, I don't think any of the young guys are ready. No Ryan O'Rourke, no Damon Hunt's ready yet. Um, you know, they're not. Louis Belpedio's probably gone to free agency. Dakota Mermis is a free agent. I don't. I doubt he's the solution there. Um, there is Brennan Manel, who was offered a two-way contract. I don't think he's accepted that. I wonder if maybe revisit that with the departure of, of Susie, maybe offer him a one-way deal, but nothing on the Manel front yet. So. Um, I think that means they got to turn to free agency, and I think the name at the top of the list, um, for me anyway, yep. is um, Vegas Golden Knights defenseman Alec Martinez, thirty-three years old, left-handed defenseman. Yeah, and I think you know, I think I don't know, he he might have uh, you know rejected the offer, but I do remember seeing a couple days ago that he was offered one last contract by Vegas, so it seems like he's going to test free agency. And I mean, really, like you mentioned, Russo's brought him up a few times in the article, not not as much, but. Because you know the price might be a little too high, especially if it gets to a bidding war situation with him being one of the top guys out there. But I think you know, like Ed Brett mentioned, I think he's he's the top guy to fill that uh, top four left side spot. You know, a good defensive defenseman, but is also can be really good on the power play. I mean, we saw him a couple times this year. You know, rocket one timers from the, you know that kind of spot in the top of the circle over there, and can be a really good weapon that way. So, yeah, no, I just I think for me, if you can, as Russo has mentioned, if you can get him. You know, at a three-year deal, if you're comfortable with the price, I think would be a really good signing too. Yeah, absolutely, and maybe he does take a little bit less to come here or something because you know we obviously have a top four role for him, and I'm not sure if what other teams would, but uh, yeah, there's just his role is all for the taking with this club, with the way we are, the way we're sitting, and uh, you know he he brings a lot too. Got that Stanley Cup with LA and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just lots of playoff experience with Vegas. So, yeah, I mean, he's certainly a guy that, that would be awesome to fill that role. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot on any of these guys because I was pretty busy at work all weekend, so I'm kind of leaning on you guys. So my takes might be a little off, but, oh, no uh, yeah. I got, I got tons it, more information on my team, so <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll kind of let you guys uh, move on here. <laughs> yeah, so Evolving Hockey, our friends over there, Josh and Luke, who happy birthday, by the way. Uh, the Twins are celebrating their birthday today. So if you're listening, happy birthday, guys. If you're listening to, uh, tonight, wish them a happy birthday. If you're listening tomorrow, wish them a belated happy birthday. Um, but their contract productions, which are usually pretty close to being spot on, they have the most likely option at a four-year, $5.844 million average annual value, which is a little steep. Um, they have you know, the, the, the next two options at a three-year, $5.6 million deal or potentially a two-year, $4.9 million deal. Before I dive in quickly to the rest of um, my stuff on Martinez, I just kind of want to paint a, a quick picture of what the Wilds cap situation looked like um, going into this year and then into the future. So right now they have about $29 million in cap space. Um, that's before signing Kaprizov, before signing Fiala. Um, moving into next year, they will still be at about $29 million in space, um, but that doesn't include anything you buddy you resign. And that's with uh, Victor Rask, Capo Kakin, who will probably be resigned. Nick Bugstead and then Nico Sturm coming off the books as well, who had a marginal try to re-sign. 
Um, in 23-24, they'll have $37.13 million in space, not including any re-signings before then, not including Fiala, not including Kaprizov, Dumba, and Talbot come off the books. And then in 24-25, projected right now at $47.93 million in cap space with nobody re-signed, um, just what's on the roster now. And that's with Zuccarello, Marcus Foligno, and Ryan Hartman um, coming off the books. So that's kind of what the cap picture looks like. So, you know, while it may seem hard to bring in money, you do have some bigger contracts, you know, like, like Ras, like Dumba, you know, where you're shedding four to six million each year, um, sometimes more, and you're hoping you can maybe fill some of those with minor league contracts too. So, um, as I said, Martinez most likely four point five eight, so he is expensive, but thirty two points in fifty three games last year, um, playing top four minutes at about twenty two thirty four per night. Uh, nine of those thirty two points in the power plays. Zico, you allude to, he's a weapon. Ninety uh, eighth percentile of offense in terms of play driving, so you expect the goals, Corsi four goals for that kind of stuff. Um, this data from um, Jay Fresh and Patrick Bacon, by the way. Um, 26th in defense, not a penalty killer, so kind of a more all-offense type of guy. So, I mean, that's a great fit, um, I think, to stick alongside a guy like uh, Jared Spurgeon on the Wilds' top pair if you want to keep Rodin and Dumba together. Um, you know, there's a little risk, you know, if it, if it does go to a four-year deal, $6 million guy, 33 years old, you're signing him until he's 37, could each poorly. I think a two- or three-year deal, you know, more around that five, five-and-a-half million mark makes sense. Um, and then don't quote me on the credibility of this source, but I do have a, 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 a minor source um, that did share with me that uh, it sounds like Martinez likes Minnesota and has interest in signing here potentially. Uh, but Zeke also, as you mentioned, he has been mulling over an offer um, from Vegas at this time as well. So, Yeah, no, I just think, I think like, you know, like we mentioned a couple of times, that's just uh, with him being one of the top defensemen available. I just, you know, I'd like him, but uh, you don't, you don't want to get into that typical NHL free agency. Like we said, uh, you know, bidding war where you keep going, okay, I'll up here 200,000. I'll do half another million on there. Like, you know, I, I like you said, Brett. I think three years, if you can get that, uh, would be uh, the most ideal for a guy like that for me. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that Bill Guerin has been quoted saying is you don't want to get into one of these contracts that you regret later on down the road. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. two or three years makes sense to me. Yeah, so uh, I got lots of guys listed, but Zeke, I'll, I'll give you a chance. Is there a, another? We'll stick with defensemen for now. Um, I've got mm-hmm. five more that I have notes on here, but. Uh, We'll give you a chance to maybe get a guy that you or maybe interest you uh, here next. Yeah, well, so, I mean, no, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll start off with one. I mean, there's a couple different guys, you know. I guess the main thing I tried to look at is it seems like, uh, you know, Bill Guerin, he specifically mentioned they want to add some more size and grit and all those kind of things is what we've heard uh, for some more strength on the back end. So I was, tr- you know, trying to maybe just angle that a little bit. But, you know, the couple of the main guys that, We've seen Russo uh, bring up to the wild. I'll, I'll talk more in deeper one of them, but like Alex Edler, Alex Goligoski, or Jake McCabe. Honestly, you know, he said uh, the wild are considerably interested in Alex Goligoski, a Grand Rapids, Minnesota native. You know, he's kind of 35. You know, he's kind of seems 36. more like be like a power play guy and, and seems like he's still going to get paid over four years. I don't know how much I really love that one personally. And I don't know if he really fits the, uh, you know, that supposed want to add more grit but for me i guess the, the main guy that i would interest me and russo's brought up is jake mccabe from buffalo yes. who is left shot you know he was hurt last year but supposedly from everything that we've read is that the season before that he was doing really well before he got hurt and seems to be that another more physical guy with maybe not you know a huge upside but you know being hurt you can get him really cheap on a one maybe one maybe two year deal at most and I think, you know, fits uh, all their needs pretty well at a, at a cost-effective rate. Yeah, he's 27 years old, spent last season, uh, previous seasons in Buffalo. 
Uh, Evolving Hockey has his uh, most likely contract projected at one year, $1.027 million, which is very, very affordable. Uh, yeah. Played just 13 games last year for Buffalo, three points in those games, averaging you know t- top four minutes at 19-11 per night, playing with Rasmus Ristolainen. And then uh, the season cut short by a knee injury. He had damage to his ACL, MCL, meniscus. Um, I think since he's made a pretty full recovery. But prior to the injury, he was awesome. He basically carried Rasmus Ristolainen to relevance um, in 13 games on the Buffalo Sabres. This is on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Jake McCabe had offensive play driving in the 90th percentile of all defensemen, defense in the 98th percentile while facing the 50th percentile of competition. So this is a guy that can play in the top four if you need him to. Um, really solid defensively, carried someone shitty like Rasmus Ristolainen for, for 13 <laughs> games. Um, so if you're looking for a cheap option to put in a third pair to carry a rookie and Kellen Addison, let Kellen Addison cook, I love Jake McCabe there. I love the term. I love the price point. I just think he's the perfect fit left side. You're going to get him cheap. You know He needs to bet on himself, so for his own sake, he wants to play well and do well. Um, so I think it makes so much sense to look at a guy like Jake McCabe, and I think of the defense, um, defensemen available, um, if they can't get Martinez, um, even if they can get Martinez, I think you got to get two defensemen. I think Jake McCabe is one of my absolute favorite UFA targets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm in on him from what I've read. The fact I like that he's he'll bring some grit. Uh like I said, I don't have many notes on these guys, but I read a little bit of Russo's articles, so trying to go off of what I remember in my head. But, yeah, definitely a guy that that could fit in here. And uh, it seems like guys seem to perform once they leave Buffalo too. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's friends with Jack Eichel too. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Zeke, another name you brought up, uh, Alex Galagoski. I'm right there with you. I, I'm, I'm out on him. Um Thirty-six years old, left shot, most likely contract production, three years by four point eight six five million. If you're gonna do that, just fork over another half million and and uh, yeah. go go after Martinez. Otherwise, a two-year four point two million dollar deal or a one-year two point four million dollar deal. Which, if that's the case, they get him on a one-year deal. I'm okay with that. Um, Twenty-two points in fifty-six games, playing twenty-three minutes per night, seven points in the power play, fiftieth percentile offensive play, driving very average um, there, and then. Pretty poor defense, uh, 28 percentile uh, defense. Um, you know, he's a disciplined defender, only took seven penalties last year, but I just think at 36, we're starting to see his game decline, and I really don't like the prospect of giving a 36-year-old $4 million. Um, and there's another guy, too, Zeke, another guy you mentioned, Alex Edler, um, who I is comes in at a cheaper price and I think is a much, much better defenseman than Goligoski as well. Mm-hmm. Is isn't Edler intrigued by? I don't know if Zeke said this already, but isn't he intrigued by Minnesota too? I felt like I read that in Russo's article that that mm-hmm. he wouldn't mind coming to Minnesota. I could be wrong, but I thought I read that on Edler. Man, I'd imagine anyone coming out of Vancouver would like to go to a winning team. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little about Edler here, quick. Uh, again, that contract production most likely three years, three point eight six million. So very reasonable for a top four guy. Uh, just. Not a big offensive guy, eight points in 52 games for Vancouver, averaging you know just under 21 minutes of ice time a night. Um, and then even though the points were there, his offensive play driving numbers actually pretty good. He had the 90th percentile. Uh, defense pretty decent as well, 63rd percentile. And this is facing the 98th percentile of competition. Um, you know, some, some good teams up there in, in Canada facing you know the, the McDavid's of the world and stuff. So doesn't play in the power play, good penalty killer. Um, I think he's a guy you could stick along Spurgeon and let you know kind of let Spurgeon you know play offense or if you. You know, he's got the good defensive numbers. You could stick him with Dumba, too, if you wanted to move Brodine up with Spurgeon as well. So I think Terms deciding factor here, again, a 35-year-old defenseman, I think if you get him on a two-year deal or a three-year deal, 
um, for under $4 million. I think that's a pretty good price point if you can't get a guy like Martinez. So I think for the top four, I, I would rank Martinez, Edler, Goligoski as kind of my, my favorites there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, and the last kind of bigger name defenseman I had, um, this one might be a little more out there, but uh, David Savard, who spent portions of last season both with Tampa Bay and Columbus, another guy who's not going to do much for you offensively, just six points in 54 games last year, um, averaging, again, just a shade under 20 minutes. Um, his projections all over the board right now, Evolving Hockey projects the most likely at a one-year $1.634 million deal. Um, then it kind of goes up significantly from there to a two-year $2.86 million or a $3.343 million deal. 30 years old, right shot D, um, doesn't play on the power play, doesn't really drive offense, um, but pretty um, ranking just in the first percentile, so pretty much league worst in driving offense. But 93rd percentile defense, obviously was a big piece of Tampa Bay winning uh, the cup this year. Um, you know, could be a potential fit if you wanted to stick him with Dumba um, as kind of that defensive defenseman to elevate Brodeen, but also could be a good guy, again, to stick with Callan Addison. So, but I just wonder, you know, I think people who watched the Stanley Cup felt that Savard had a big impact, so I do wonder mm-hmm. if there's a team that will overpay him, and I really hope that's not the Wild. So he's kind of the wild card for me. I, I, if, if the projection stays right, that 1.163, I'm there, but if it starts to go up either in term or dollar, I, I don't know if I'm quite there in David Savard. Yeah, I did see. I think uh, Elliot Friedman has said on 31 Thoughts and other places recently that Montreal is going to go hard after him. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, and just like you said, though, it kind of fits, uh, it potentially fits, you know, player wise what they're saying they want. So, and just some other, uh, D options that could be out there as options um, that I that I kind of liked, uh, Derek Forbort, Mike Riley, Jason Demers, Miko Leitinen, Ryan Murray, John Merrill. And those are all kind of, you know, either depth defenders or kind of those third-pairing guys. So is there anyone else either of you two is kind of eyeing or have we have we touched on most of them uh, for you guys? Honestly, I think we've touched on most of them. You guys are way more prepared than I am on this <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> Zeke, anyone else you have? No, I just think that, you know, those, those top four guys, you know, to fill that, that number four spot there were just the main ones we were looking at. And to be honest, uh, the, the, you know, that bottom pair, left side guy or another depth defenseman, to be honest, you know, really could be just about anybody, uh, even guys that we, you know, haven't really even thought of. So, yeah, no, I think I think got everything I kind of was thinking of. So. All right. Well, let, let's move next to the forward position. Not a whole lot of holes to fill here. I mean, they do have, you know, 13 forwards they probably could play. As of now, but Kaprizov still unsigned. Piala still unsigned. Um, you still don't have any center depth. So let's start with uh, the centers here. Um, actually, no, let's go a different direction. Let's go with a guy that is they're rumored heavily to be signing here pretty soon, um, and that's going to reunite the Felino Bros. Nick Felino, uh, rumored to be pretty damn close to signing with Minnesota, 33-year-old left wing. Um, I think we even tweeted about this uh, on the account. Um, pro- projected contact, two years, just a shade under three million average. Um, which I seem seems pretty likely. Twenty points in forty nine games with Toronto and Columbus last year. Forty eighth percentile offense, eighty seventh percentile defense, eighty second percentile of quality of competition. So still some some things left in the tank to give. Um, a Felino Felino uh, Bash Bro line could be fun. Um, he could also kind of fill, as Bruce was alluded to, that Zach Parisi role on the on the fourth line. Um, as long as they're planning to deploy him, I think I'd personally see him more as a wing. And if they stick him in the st- in the bottom six on the wing, I'm all in on uh, uniting the Felino Bros. Yeah, I agree. That would uh, kind of be a, a hard bottom six to play against, especially a guy that you used to be able to put up a lot of points, a guy that, that 
kind of plays a heavier style. If I remember right, the guy that would be good in the locker room kind of fill that that role that maybe Preci or Suter filled as as captains. Kind of, I don't know how similar similar he is to his brother, but I feel like I, I've read that they'd both be good quotes and and just you know kind of an all around character guy to bring in. Yeah, no, I think like I think you just nailed it perfectly. It's just kind of, as you mentioned, that culture guy. And I know I've seen some people going, "Well, if his name last name wasn't Felino, would he be, even be a guy they'd be interested in?" And it's, it's like, well, yeah, maybe not. But I think, you know, I think he was hurt in Toronto at the at the end of this last season last year. So I was seeing some people saying, "Oh, he wasn't all that impressive." But you know, maybe that's why. And, and as you guys mentioned, he's not you know going to be a flashy player by any means, but. If then if it's a two year contract, uh, you know, and like Brett mentioned, if it's under three million, I'd have a hard time really complaining about that at all. Yeah, and a, a bottom six with the Felino Bros, Sturm, Hartman, Bugstad, and then uh, would be either Rask or Greenway. Um, mm-hmm. Sign me up. That sounds like a pretty yeah, vicious bottom six. And and that's I think six guys you can kind of put in any combination. You almost have two third lines. Kind of no matter yeah. how you shake that out. So. Yeah. Um, he, he. It sounds like that one's pretty much a done deal, and I think as soon as free agency opens, I think that a deal will be announced pretty quick. Um, so we got that one out of the way first. Now let's move to the center position. There's a couple options to fill here. Um, really, to me, there's one guy that kind of fits in as potential top six fit if they don't go the trade route, um, and that's Paul Stastny. Um, projected right now, uh, most likely is at a one-year, $2.076 million deal. You know, that's a perfect fit for what the Wild need. Um, other options are a two-year, $3.83 million deal or a three-year, $4.7 million deal. So that price kind of goes up as the term, but most likely a one-year deal. 29 points, uh, 13 goals, 16 to six assists in 56 games with Winnipeg last year. Playing top-line minutes at about 17.25 per night, eight points in the power play, and importantly, 54.7% in the face-off dot. Um, even at you know 34 years old, so get, getting up there, 35 um, but he, he was solid this year, 94th percentile of offensive play driving, 78th percentile defense, facing 79th percentile of, of competition. So I think, as I alluded to, I think if they don't trade for a center, I'm all in on giving him a one- or two-year deal. I think he's a guy that can play anywhere in your top three lines, wherever you want him. Um, I think he becomes the team's best, second-best centerman behind Eck, um, gives you some options to kind of create some line combinations. So to me, it's just he just seems like he fits what they need. They need a short-term guy. Need someone with upside, someone they can get for you know a decent price. I just think it makes a lot of sense um, if if he wants to come here. He's a guy that I really like as a free agency option. Yeah, you, you kind of have all the notes that I had written down about Stasny, but um, I know like the fifty four percent face off. He's career fifty four percent too. So you know if we if we can't get a guy like Benino resigned, we'll have another guy that that can win face offs because you know last year we didn't have a whole lot of guys that could. Uh, win faceoffs like a player mm-hmm. like Stasny and Bonino could. So it's something else that, that would be awesome to have. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys too. And I think from, you know, what Russo said, he seems to be, a, you know, a really great guy to a good character player, you know, good in the locker room again, which, you know, obviously you could say that's, a, you know, what every team wants in players, but seems specifically what uh, Bill Guerin has in focus. And being a guy that's played over a thousand games in the NHL already has a lot of experience. I think he could, you know, be – a good player alongside some of your more skilled players if needed, which I think as Brett mentioned is the, the key there is that he can play, you know, I mean, technically I think on this team, it's, it's hard to differentiate a lot of times what's the first, second, third line, you know, technically, but you know, like you said, he can flip up and down there. And again, for me, a lot of these guys, if it's a one-year deal for me, I'm kind of of the belief that there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. 
So, you know, if he's on a one-year deal, then, you know, then great. Uh, if that's like kind of their, I don't want to say last ditch center, you know, upgrade, I guess, but if that's, if they can't make a trade, I think that would be, uh, you know, definitely, I think the, as Brett mentioned, the best they probably could do uh, compared to some of the other guys out there. All right. So Paul Stastny, probably our, our top uh, center for agent options. So let's move along here to a guy that I think if, if they want to turn the reins over to a guy like Marco Rossi to be a top six center, if they really do want to elevate Erickson Eck, um, I'm eyeing a guy, uh, Derek Ryan, uh, center, 34 years old, played in Calgary last year, analytical darling. Um, only 13 points in 43 games with Calgary last year. Didn't play a lot, uh, 11.53 in ice time per night, so kind of played on their fourth line, but I think he was underutilized. Uh, he had a 60, 66th percentile offensive play driving, 91st percentile defense um, ranking in play driving, only the 8th percentile of competition quality, so maybe – the numbers could be skewed, um, but a little bit there. But um, as I mentioned, I think if the Wild really do want to elevate Eck and you still want to maintain kind of that that third line shutdown, um, you know, his his numbers last year were good. Ryan's kind of been a solid defender, underrated, flying under the radar for a while. Fifty-two um, percent faceoff win percentage as well. So um, again, not a guy that's going to bring you much offensively, but I think another guy that you know, if you're looking to fill, you know, stick some in the bottom six. Um, he's a guy I'd prefer, especially over someone like a like a Derek Stepan or something like that. So he's a guy that yeah. intrigues me quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, like not a great offensive player, you know, but as you said, if you're on your fourth line, you know, you don't need that. You just need a guy who's, who's you know, who's servable, can win some face-offs, is, is responsible in his own So I'm all for that. And on the Derek Stepan thing, I know Russo has been bringing his name up for like literally a year. And even as like a fourth line guy, a healthy scratch, I, I still just have no interest in, in him whatsoever. Uh, it's just, I mean, nothing against him. You know, it seems like a good dude, Minnesota guy. But uh, just, you know, even like I said, as a depth guy, maybe he can scratch half the time. He's guys like that just just have no interest to me. But yeah, no, I think uh, I think as you mentioned, Brett, with all with all the stats and all that, he's Ryan is a guy who kind of could fit that spot. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Derek Stepan doesn't move the needle for me very much at all, and and Derek Ryan certainly makes sense. I don't have any notes on him so no I just, yeah i'll yeah. say i will say what you guys said it, it makes sense it certainly makes sense i will say uh you know just uh before we move on to some other guys i think you know i i know i'm still of the opinion that they do need as we talked about to upgrade that center somehow uh you don't whether that's paul snassy you, you know for me you don't even though i've seemingly if you follow me on twitter been on the whole you know make a huge trade bandwagon you don't have to do that but uh, there was a you know, I know as GM speak, there was a quote in Russo's recent article from Bill Guerin going basically, or we could go center by committee and all this. And, you know, Rasky had a good year and hearts. No, uh, you had, you know, he didn't get a lot of center, but he was good. What could he do with more? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, you know, if I have to watch Victor Rask in the top six again next year, uh, you know, it's, I might drive myself insane. And I just, you know, I know, as Brett said this in the group chat, you know, that's probably just GM speak. They're obviously going to try their best to improve that. But I just think it's imperative that if they don't make a trade, that even one of one of these guys we've mentioned, that they at least sign one of them. Because, as I said, I swear to God, I nothing against those guys. They're all NHL players. But I just I, I can't spend another season with Ryan Hartman and Victor Rask as our top, you know, playing in the top six. And I can't imagine our best player really is, would be very excited about that. Ethan. Yeah. 
Um, and then I forgot uh, Ryan's contract projections, basically about two years, just a shade under two million average value. So okay. not, nothing too crazy expensive there either. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Zeke there, is is there a one... yeah? Go ahead, Justin. Do you have one there? I was gonna say there's one guy uh, um, that I was wondering about what you guys thought about. Didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, but, you're good. Uh, I was gonna ask no, if one of you guys had someone. So go ahead. Yeah. Um. Kind of. Uh, he played with Florida last year. He had made like two point two five million. Uh, put up 19 points, 56 games. Career, he's only 46% on the faceoff dot. He was close to 50 or 49.2% last year. Uh, Alex Wenberg, um, sounds like he's a strong puck handler, solid shooter, hardworking player. So just kind of curious what you guys think about Alex Wenberg. Zeke, you want to go first? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think you know. I, he was really good early on his career in Columbus. I mean, he's never been until this year. I think it was a career high in goals, as you mentioned, Justin. He was been always been more of a playmaker, but you know, he does seem to have some skill. Maybe he hasn't panned out as a true like top six guy, but you know, he is twenty six. So if you're looking for a younger option, I think he could make some sense. Uh, you know, I guess I don't really know how his game is is defensively and all that. I mean, from what I've seen, it can't. I don't. I mean, maybe it's not elite. I don't know if it's horrible, but I don't know. He does. You know, he does at least uh, intrigue me a little bit, at least. Yeah, he, he's a very meh option to me. Just like you said, 19 points. I have at 29, actually. 17 goals, 12 assists, if I read correctly. Um, yeah, that's pl- what it was. Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, played about 18-10 per night, so was kind of playing top six minutes. Um, underlying numbers, kind of very average to sub-average. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the, the ask is a little much... Um, Evolving hockey projects at five years, 4.93 is the most likely option. Um, yeah. For a guy that just kind of came off a career year, that seems where GMs always make the mistake is they pay a guy who had one good yeah. year, kind of in that contract year. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he moves the needle for me. I think it's a little too much risk there. I'd rather put you know $5 million towards a guy like, like Stastny if you want to pay him more, mm-hmm. um, towards a guy like Martinez or even Edler um, per- personally. Um, so I think unless that p- average value comes down, um, even even if term comes down, he's still looking at four and a half to four million. I think that's still a little rich for me. So I think unless that price comes down, I think I'm probably staying away. Um, I do wonder if Florida looks at bringing him back. I, I think with the addition of of Reinhardt, I wonder if he for sure is off the free agency because I think for a time that they were interested. But I'm wondering if he was maybe asking too much, and that's maybe part of the reason why they went out yeah. and made a trade. So I don't think uh, he's a guy I I'm personally interested in there. Just a, just a little too expensive. I. The player is fine, but but I think the price or what you get is is a little rich. Gotcha. I guess I wasn't sure what he was projected. I just thought that his past contract was two point two five million. I figured he'd try and get more than that, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess double that, that'd though. be a little rich for my blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little rich for my blood. Zeke, do you have uh, someone else you're eyeing? No, not at center, but uh, should, we, should we just move into other forwards in general? I got one more center, and I think... Okay, you can go ahead. Then go ahead. Because yeah. I, I think people will ask us about him if we don't okay. talk about him, and that's uh, yeah. Philip Deneau. Um, mm-hmm. 28 from Montreal. Um, I believe I read he's actually selling his house in Montreal, um, so I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be out of there. Already rejected a contract to start the year. He's going to be a big ticket guy this offseason, I think. Uh, most likely projection. He's kind of all over the board, but Evolving Hockey has his most likely one at seven years, uh, 6.236 million, 28 years old. Um, the other two options, second most likely, three years, 5.3 million, or four years, 5.5 million. Um, 24 points in 53 games for Montreal, averaging 16.52 per night. 
Um, does drive play pretty well, 86th percentile in offensive play driving. Shut down defensively, 99th percentile defense um, play driving and, and, and shot suppression, goal suppression, all that stuff. Playing against the 98th percentile of competition quality. So he's your prototypical kind of shutdown center. He's got Selkie votes. Only put up four points in 22 games in the playoffs, but was kind of you know instrumental moving to that shutdown role, shutting out guys like Austin Matthews, Mark Stone, Mitch Marner. Um, he was kind of instrumental in shutting those guys down. For me, he's just a little too slimmer to Erickson Eck. Um, yeah. And if if he truly wants seven years, 6.2, let's, I'm not yeah. doing that. If he would take a no. three-year 5.3, I think I'd be okay with that. Four by five and a half, I'm a little iffy on. If they could do the three by five and a half, I think I'm in there, but I think otherwise otherwise I'm out on him. I, I love the player. I yeah. just don't know if he's quite what the team needs. Right. I mean, no one would be able to play against us or score against us yeah. <laughs> with yeah. Eck and him and setters. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. That's, unless we can do the three by five point, uh, what was it? Uh, three by about just under five and a half average. Yeah, I mean, if it's not that, uh, I, I think we need to find better options. So, kind of like I mentioned, so, like, like the trade market, like a hurdle or something like that. Agreed. Yeah, I think just my way of looking at it is if you did sign him to like a six, five, six, seven year deal, then that's your big, you know, I guess splash in a way for the next, you know, half decade and you use that money on him and, you know, that's how I want to think, you know, like these stop gaps that we brought up, like a Paul staff and something like that could be the better option. Cause not only is, are you, you know, you're not spending as much money short term, you're allowing yourself the flexibility to make, you know, other moves down two, three, four years down the line if you want to. And I just think, you know, like if they didn't have X, then yeah, then, then obviously yes. But you know, I just think that's uh that's just, you know, that's, that's just a little long term, too long term uh, commitment to uh, be making, you know, where this team is at and what we need. So, yeah, on on the stopgap pick too. I mean, you've got Marco Rossi, who you hope is going to play yeah. at some point this mm-hmm. year. I think he will. You've got Murat mm-hmm. Huznadinov um, as well. So you got two centers that you hope crack the team. And by signing, you know, a guy to a two or three year deal, you you you, you give them the opportunity. Maybe maybe they start at wing and take some face offs here and there. Um, so I, I think from that sense, it makes a lot of sense to look at the stopgap route, unless you're getting you know a truly elite Jack Eichel type, mm-hmm. Thomas Hurdle type in, in in a trade. So I'm glad we're all on the same page there. Okay, and uh, just uh, real quick, just want to bring up a couple, I guess, kind of news notes before we just kind of finish up and wrap up some other things. But sure. uh, Elliot Friedman just posted a kind of a notebook slash 31 Thoughts article where he said he thinks uh, that, uh, you know, he's talking about, he said he thinks there's potential for maybe an Eichel trade this week. Uh, he mentions uh, some combination of Anaheim, Calgary, the Wild, and others that he's probably missing. Mm-hmm. And then also he, uh, yeah, no, I know a it lot just, of people. It just makes me nervous. It's fun. It, it makes me nervous so too. In my, like both my good thing, ways and bad ways. Yeah. yeah. My thing is I, I go back and forth kind of like Justin. Like I go, ooh, I, you know, I stay the course, keep your guys, don't blow half the team away. And then I also see the temptation of, you know, the 25-year-old the number one center. And But it's funny. Whenever I tweet about him, I get like 25 replies of people arguing back and forth. And I mentioned oh, yeah. so. But And then just the other note quickly, I think he was doing uh, free agency predictions and he did have Brett. Uh, unfortunately, he has Alex Galagasi to the Wild. So. Oh, so we might we yeah. That seems like it has a fairly good chance well, of happening. I will say I have a Russo note on Galagasi here. Hang on. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it, the tweet I kind of struggle with. So uh, he's having a conversation with um, Dev at Dever underscore Ray. Uh, uh-huh. They were talking about Mike Riley, and then 
Um, he asked, is, is this something Bill Guerin is looking at, referring to Mike Riley, um, or not really since he'll price himself out of the Wilds' defensive plan? And Russo said, can't see it, referring to Riley. They have salaries slotted in for 1D or 2D. I don't know what that means. Depending on where the signee ends up in 5 to 6D, the former, as I reported, think will be Goligoski, I think between 3.5 and, and 4. So I... The way it's worded is really confusing to me. I yeah. think what I'm getting out of it is that they plan to sign Goligoski as a five to six D between three and a half and four million, which to me that's a little more palatable than four point eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, that's kind of how I interpreted that. Um, but I'm I don't know. So it seems like Goligoski and Felino are both possibilities. I would say if Russo is saying that, probably is. Um, I'm just hoping that price on Goligoski is closer to three and a half than four million. At three and a half, yeah. I'm I'm much more open to that because that's more of that Edler range. So yeah, agreed. Okay, and especially if he's going to be, you say, bottom six or uh, five six type pairing. I, I, I guess that I won't really, be the worst thing I in the world. No, it's the way it's worded is super confusing. So I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. unsure. It might be top four, and then maybe McCabe is your five six. I I don't know. It was. Uh, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, McKay would be great. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zeke, you said you had a f- uh, one more non-center uh, or one or two more non-centers that you want to discuss here before we wrap up. Yeah, so I'll just kind of list them off just quickly and then sure. just get your guys' thoughts. But, you know, the first guy who's kind of a left-wing, right-wing in Tomas Tatar, who kind of had a, you know, an iffy year in Montreal, was scratched in the playoffs. Like, he's shown in the past that he can, you know, he's maybe more of a top-six guy, but I think – you know, maybe if you, you know, if you don't, if something happens with Fleno or something like that and you're looking for kind of a score, he could be an option. And then the other option, maybe not fit-wise, wouldn't work. But, you know, we've seen seen the rumors in the past and, and you know, he probably wouldn't get a top six role. But uh, the other guy that does potentially intrigue me because he probably would be cheap on a one-year deal is uh, Nikita Gusev as well. Yep, those are two names I had listed as other options. Yeah. Tatar is a really weird one because, you know, he went to Detroit, was decent mm-hmm. there, got, you know, was yep. part of a big trade. Um, that's got got him sent to Vegas. He didn't work out there, and then was a big piece in the Pacioretty deal going to Montreal. Um, was basically a part of one of the best analytical lines in hockey with uh, mm. Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher. Um, the dude drives offense like like no tomorrow. Why he was scratched? I think every yeah. analytic and every analytics um, user and, and and fan in hockey was very confused by that. Um, yeah, I I think it really depends on what he wants. Um, you know, does his help does being healthy scratch bring his value down? You know, is his agent you know a big analytics guy and is fighting for that? So, yeah, if if, if someone like a Kevin Fiala gets traded, um, if they for whatever reason can't come to an agreement with with a guy like Phil Kaprizov, which I I don't think is the case, um, he's a guy that would certainly be interesting to me. I think he's a for sure a top six winger and was would would probably slot in there well. Um, to me, it's just again with like a lot of these guys, it comes down to, to what what do you got to pay because you you got to mm-hmm. be able to 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 fit all these guys uh, with a yeah. good plan. But yeah, he'd be interested. And in then yeah, I, I think Gusev, like you said, I think he he's he scored before. I think he just maybe just hasn't worked system systematically with the with his previous teams. But you know him and Kirill were were awesome at the Olympics. Um, in whatever that was, twenty eighteen, I think. So, yeah. um, another Russian and a guy that again I think could kind of play anywhere in your top nine and and for pretty cheap. So yeah, I'd be I'd be open to that as well. Yeah, I think I'd be open to both as well, depending on uh, the price and uh, Gusev. Isn't he uh, like best friends with Kirill? Or I think they're tight. Or he's a friend. Yeah, they're tight. So maybe that'll entice Caprice to sign even <laughs> sooner. But. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, those two, if they have chemistry from the past, maybe they, they you know, still have it, and, and that could be a potential line mate with them or something or other. But, yeah, I mean, I'd certainly be open to both. Yeah, and a, a couple other uh, forward options I had, um, depending on what happens, Brandon Saad, uh, Matias Yanmark, Matthew Perot, uh, Casey Zizekas, and then I did just throw Derek Stepan in there because that rumor mill has been swirling. So mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, that's what, close to 15, 20 names of, of guys that uh, the Wild yeah. will certainly be looking at. They're obviously not going to sign all of them, but I would say if they might sign three of the guys we talked about tonight, and maybe, you know, we have we have that advance. Yeah. So, uh, NHL for agency does open, I believe it is Thursday? Wednesday, the Wednesday. 28th. Yeah, so Wednesday, July 28th, uh, I believe it's 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, so I'd imagine right on 11 a.m. we'll see that Nick Foligno is a member of the Minnesota Wild. Um, it sounds like Russo is hinting at Alex Goligoski being a part of that as well. So bringing home a Minnesota boy, bringing home a uh, another Foligno. So, and then uh, probably one or two more moves, whether that's through trade or free agency coming uh, around that time as well. And then as Zeke reported, uh, per, per uh, Elliot Friedman, a potential Jack Eichel trade to somebody, whether or not that's the wild yet to be seen at, at some point this week. So um Meaty episode, as Michael, as as Arusa would yep. say, we covered the draft, we covered expansion, we covered free agency. Um, our plan is to hopefully sometime later this week, sometime Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever they make the big splashes, um, to jump on and kind of react to signings, trades if that happens. So we wanted to get all this onto one. We kept it under an hour fifteen, so I think we did a pretty damn wow. good job for everything that we had. So uh, good on us for that. Um, before we sign off, guys, any kind of final thoughts? Expansion, entry draft. Free agency trades, anything you have that you just want to vent about, get off your chest, get excited for as we head into what should be another busy week for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, just a, I just have a couple of things. Uh, one, um, something that Russo posted about the Wild playing the Blackhawks and before uh, training camp and like a prospect scrimmage, uh, be uh, something all three of us may be going to, depending on work schedules and stuff. So maybe something where we'd be able to meet some uh, some of the listeners and such, and and have a good time watching prospects, and then just uh, kind of enjoy this free agency process and, and continue to enjoy what uh, Bill and Judd and team are building with this this franchise here. Yeah, no, I, I just kind of echo that, and also, you know, I like you said, it should be a pretty fun week ahead. I mean, you know, we. You know, with free agency starting Wednesday, if there are going to be any moves, you would imagine that they would probably be before then is what it seems like. But, I mean, I guess, again, who knows? But I just think, you know, with the amount of trades that were made uh, last week, including, you know, our old friend Chuck Fletcher deciding he was going to give away second round, first round picks for basically nothing instead of giving them away from the Sean Bergenheims of the world. Uh, he, you know, did that and there was a bunch of that stuff. So it was it was really fun to see. Because, you know, usually, especially trade deadline, they hype it up like this, all this is going to happen. All these guys are going to trade and it never happens. And while it didn't happen right away, it, ha- it took a couple days. But when it did, there was like five or six huge things happening yeah. in two days. So I just think with potential for that uh, this this week and the next two or three days uh, involving the whole NHL and maybe even the Wild could just be really fun to just see what happens. Yep, and, and uh, Chuck traded for Rasmus Ristolainen um, to add to Philly. Gave away some pretty significant yeah. pieces for that. We'll see if that ends up going down as one of his worst trades in history. He's got other contenders there, you know, with uh, Nick Letty what? for Cam Barker, um, acquiring Martin Hansel. So we'll see if that one comes back yeah. and bites him in the ass. 
Uh, Chicago did what we were hoping, and they traded for Seth Jones and gave him a massive contract, eight years, nine and a half million. (laughs) Gave up a top uh, prospect in Jesper Boquist, I believe, two firsts. Um, I think a second as well, so I'm ready for that to backfire on them. And then for the analytics community to be right on Seth Jones, who is just a very average defenseman, um, Joe Sackick continued to do Joe Sackick things, uh, locked in Kale McCarr to bargain for six years, $9 million. Um, some other big trades, let's see, uh, Ryan Ellis was traded to Philadelphia. They also got Cody Glass out of that deal. Um, let's see, what were the, some of the other ones? Uh, Cam Atkinson, Jakob Voracek, one-for-one swap. Um, there's a couple well, can I just, big ones. Can I just uh, yeah, ask you very quickly about uh, about Ristolainen? Do you th- I know everyone? You know, he seemingly isn't really good at all. Is is there any chance that's just because he's been in the crap hole of Buffalo that he's maybe <laughs> just a little bit better on a not crap team? Like, I'm not saying good. I'm just saying not garbage. I'm saying uh, what's what would be the word? He's not average out back garbage bin. Yeah, out not out back garbage bin on the side of your house in the street, but is he kitchen garbage? He might be. I mean, like I said, McCabe I was fine. Like McCabe played in Buffalo for 13 games had okay numbers. And he was carrying wrist line. And during that time, is he as bad as we think he is? Probably not. But is he worth what Fletcher paid for him? I, I don't no. think so. Um, no. I don't know how, like, how does wrist lining at that? And there's no market for Matt Dumba. I don't know, mm-hmm. but enough about that. But, those are my uh, my my last final thought. Thank you, Carson Susi, uh, for everything you did for Minnesota, for representing Duluth, winning some national championships, for being an awesome physical presence on our blue line. Um, it sounds like they may be looking to flip Carson Susi still. So whether your next season in Seattle or somewhere else, you're probably not listening. But um, thank <laughs> you for everything. And um, Jesper Wallstadt, Carson Lambos, Jack Pert, Caden Bankier, Kyle Masters, Josh Pilar, Nate Benoit. Uh, on behalf of all of us here at Sound the Foghorn, welcome the minnesota wild we can't wait to uh, watch your careers develop and uh, hope to also you playing in uh the forest green and wheat um very very soon i do want to add one thing yeah i uh, just want to send out uh condolences from the show to the Monsko family for the loss mm-hmm. of their son this week so. heartbreaking yeah so. uh zeke on that note um kind of our goodbyes and condolences and welcomes uh where can everybody find you and your work uh, well, as, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at uh, ZBWildNation underscore HW. And then you can find uh, any and all of my written work at HockeyWilderness.com. Justin. You can find me at DEAST2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with CapriceF Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And you can find me on Twitter at as always, at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram, at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. Free agency again, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Uh, local time here. We will react to any signings, trades, at some point, probably between Wednesday and Friday, so stay tuned for that. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.